did. Oh, what a great song. Just remind us of why we're here. Amen? Uh, God's incredible work in our lives. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn with me uh, to Paul's letter to the Christians in Philippi. Philippians chapter 1. And I focused this morning in God's study. Kids, I'm going in, uh, and uh, wow, I just lost half the congregation. Is that not awesome? Yeah. Man, I love seeing all those kids. Wow. Anyhow, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And before we get into the study of those verses, I want to share this story with you. Back in the 1960s, there was a professional running back for the Chicago Bears by the name of Gail Sayers. How many, how many here in, in this? Yes, that's what I, what I kind of thought. <laughs> in, in the early service, everybody raised, you know, everybody knew who I was talking about. Um, and Gail Sayers, uh, there was another running back that uh, was on the Chicago Bears, a professional running back. At the same time Gail Sayers was there, his name was Brian Piccolo. And, of course, Gail Sayers was uh, a black man who had never had any particular relationship or significant relationship with uh, a white person. And, and, and Brian Piccolo was a white guy who had never had any particular significant relationship with a black person, but they began to room together. And if you know anything about community, like, like, like this church is a community, it's a community of believers, and we have common goals and common purposes, of course, involving the kingdom of God and, and getting this word we were just singing about, uh, John 3, 6, saying the gospel out to as many people as possible and help people to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. This is called community. Well, even in football, you can say that is community because you have a team and, and that team has certain goals and purposes. Everybody's working together towards the same. Well, in, the, in that kind of state, even though this was new for Gail Sayers, this was new for Brian Piccolo, and they were breaking new ground because they were in community and, and because they were working together, they developed an incredible relationship, a friendship uh, of friendships, if you want to put it that way. And, and so they were doing everything together. Well, in 1968, Gail Sayers had uh, a knee injury. And many thought that this injury was going to end his football career. It was that serious and thought he would never, ever play again. But a year later, 1969, he was, he was at a banquet that was uh, the New York chapter of Professional Football Writers Banquet to receive an award, and that award was the most courageous football player in 1969. As he received that award, he looked at them because he and Brian Piccolo were supposed to be there together with their wives. But Brian Piccolo was not there. Brian Piccolo was in bed, not because of a football injury, but because he was fighting cancer. And as Gail Sears received that award, here's what he said to everybody who was at that banquet. He says, you flatter me, 
in giving me this award tonight. He says, I want you to hear now and know for sure that I am receiving this award for Brian Piccolo because he really is the most courageous football player of 1969. And then he looked at everybody there. He says, I love Brian Piccolo. He says, I want you to love Brian Piccolo. And then he said this, when you hit your knees tonight, would you ask God to love Brian Piccolo too? Now, I share this story with you not to focus on the racial issues involved of the 1960s or even today. But over this, this heartfelt declaration of Gail Sears, I love Brian Piccolo. I want you to love Brian Piccolo. And I want you to ask God to love Brian Piccolo too. Now, I don't know if Gail Sears ever figured all this out and learned, but as followers of Christ, we, we knew. We, if we'd have heard it that day, we would have known, oh, yes, God does love Brian Piccolo. We just, we just were lifting that up in song, for God so loved the world. There's never been anyone that has been, who is, who will be after us if God tarries or Jesus tarries, that, that God doesn't love. And he loves every one of us perfectly. He loves every one of us unconditionally. He loves every one of us sacrificially. He loves every one of us selflessly. But the issue is not, does God love us? The real issue is, how much do we love God? And even more pointedly for today, how much of the love of God is in your heart as a believer? And how much of the love of God dwells in our midst here as the body of Christ, WBC, Washington Baptist Church? And how important is that anyhow? Well, apparently it was incredibly important to the Apostle Paul because as he is writing here to the Christians in Philippi, the church in Philippi, he says in verses 3, 4, and 5, we'll get to verse 9 in just a second, he says, I thank my God, he's writing to them, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer, listen to that very carefully, always offering prayer, <coughs> excuse me, with joy, in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. And then beginning in verse 9, he tells us exactly what he was praying for, for the believers in Philippi, for the church in Philippi. I draw your attention to this because a question was raised to me. Pastor, if, if we were just to pray for one thing for the body of Christ, for Washington Baptist Church in 2022, if we're going to just pray one thing and just pray it unceasingly, 
what would you want me to pray? And the Lord brought me to this passage right here. And I have covenanted to pray that prayer. I'm asking you to covenant with me to pray this prayer, but I want you to understand what we are praying for all the way through 2022. If you choose to join me with this, it's going to be your choice between you and the Lord, and, and I just want it to be that way. But I want us to look at what he says here in this prayer, verses 9 through 11. Follow with me as I read it. Paul says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. A lot of things in here I'm not going to touch on, but... I want to draw your attention to this issue of the love of God. Not just any love. He's obviously praying for love here. But not just any love, but a particular love. As you might might guess, he's talking about the love of God because I've already mentioned it, but the word that he chooses here is not phileo, and for what? Many of you probably already know phileo is, you know, basically the basis behind the name Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. But that's kind of misleading because when we talk about the city of brotherly love or brotherly love and we're talking about phileo, we're talking about, we're talking about the, our own self-nature, our ability to love, just and of ourselves as a human being. And it's very limited. It's very limited. See, phileo love is, and you've heard me share this before, some of you have, it's conditional love. That is, I love you when. I I love you because. I love you if. You see, that's phileo love. It's the greatest love that I can produce just in and of myself as a human being. I can't go beyond that because my self-nature is self-centered. And so as a result of that, everything about me is conditional for me. So when I say I love you when, I'm setting the condition. You don't meet that condition, I don't love you. Or if I say I love you because, I'm setting a condition. And if, I, if you don't meet that condition, I don't love you. Or if, you understand what I'm trying to get across. And, and so that's the best we can do in our human nature. Because our self-nature is selfish in nature. That's not the word that he uses. He uses the word here, as you already guessed, is the word agape. That's the unconditional love of God. It is sacrificial, listen to me, sacrificial, selfless, and supernatural. So what do you mean supernatural? Well, just what I was saying, it's beyond me and my humanness. It can only be produced in me, and I can only love you with the love of God through the presence power of God, the Holy Spirit himself. 
And so when Paul is praying here, this is the word he's talking about. He's not talking about phileo love, conditional love, because when and if he's talking about unconditional love, sacrificial, selfless, and supernatural, only a believer in Christ, a true born-again believer can love like this. But that's his prayer. So notice three things with me about this love that he's praying for. He first of all draws our attention to the extent of this love. God's love in our hearts as believers. God's love, the sacrificial, selfless, supernatural love in the body of Christ. And and he prays this. He says, and this I pray that your love may abound. Let's stop right there. That's an incredible word, abound. What it, what it literally means is to exceedingly overflow. Kind of like when you have three or four days of rain, you know, and the river, you know, overflow, exceedingly, oh, doesn't just rise, but it exceedingly overflows. But that doesn't really capture it either. It is used that way, but that doesn't really capture what he is saying here because he is using here, he is saying this in the present tense. So he's talking about not every once in a while, like when it rains. But he's talking about unceasingly, exceedingly overflowing. This sacrificial, selfless, supernatural love in our hearts toward one another. So therefore in the body of Christ. Here's a word picture for you. Just use your imagination. Just visualize in your mind a bucket. And it's sitting at the very base of this waterfall that is continuously falling. And as you look at that bucket, obviously because it is there and it's receiving that water continuously, it's not only full, right? It's overflowing, right? And it is unceasingly, exceedingly overflowing because there's no way it can handle all the water that is continuously coming in. Well, that's the picture Paul is painting for us. That's what he was praying for, for the believers in Philippi, for the church, the body of Christ, is that this love of God, this, and when he's talking about not just talking about it, but experiencing it and expressing it, this sacrificial, selfless, supernatural love, just unceasingly, exceedingly overflowing out of the hearts of believers all through the body of Christ. Here's what the Apostle John says about this love in 1 John. If you take your Bibles and turn there with me. 1 John chapter 4. uh, And he says in verses 7 and 8, he says, Beloved, of course he's talking to believers, he says, let us love one another. 
let us sacrificially, selflessly, supernaturally love one another. For love, this love is from God. And everyone who loves sacrificially, selfish, self, selflessly, and supernaturally is born of God and knows God. It means they're born again. It's the ultimate evidence that you truly are a child of God, that you truly have received Christ as your Lord. This is what John is saying. And he says they are born of God, meaning born again and knows God. Now notice what he says, the one who does not love in this manner. If the only way you're loving right now is phileo, conditionally, because, and when, and if, listen to what he says. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's a pretty powerful statement. But it's a statement to challenge us about the reality of what should be. And Paul is saying, hey, and what I'm challenging you to do today, join me, 2022, to pray that the love of God, this in our hearts, Scripture's already stated, is present. Are you with me? Say amen. Romans 5, 5 says the Holy Spirit has spread abroad in our hearts the love of God. It's there. It's whether or not it is being used or allow, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to love others that way through us. That's, that's the issue. But to pray that as the year moves forward, this love will abound unceasingly, exceedingly overflowing toward one another, towards in the body of Christ and even outside the body of Christ. Well, let's go back to our text because Paul not only focuses on the extent of this love, but on the effectiveness of this love because it says in verse 9, and this I pray that you love me about, and then he says this, still more and more. Well, what does he mean by that? He's talking about the impact. He's talking about the impact this love has. He says, I want, it to, I want this, the love of God to so unceasingly, exceedingly, continually overflow through your life into the lives of everybody more and more so it can have its impact on this world. We, we began our worship singing, I love that song, Old Church Choir is the name of it. Let no one steal your joy. Can I just say this? The ultimate source, I want you to listen carefully, the ultimate source of the joy, Paul talks about the unspeakable joy of the Lord, the ultimate source of that is the love of God. Because you see, if I can only love phileo, if I can only love because, I can only love when, I can only love if, that means I am loving from my self nature, which is a selfish nature. And I want to guarantee you that if that's what's driving your life, you're not going to have a lot of joy in your life. You might have some happy moments. 
your team may have won the bowl game. That was a happy moment for you. You might have had a chili cheeseburger the other day for lunch. That was a happy moment for you. Would have been for me. But I'm talking about the, what Paul calls the unspeakable, indescribable joy of the Lord. I, listen to me. We have to be free of our self-nature so we can be led by the Holy Spirit nature to know that joy. And that comes with the love of God. Not only the joy, but the peace, that peace that passes all understanding. I mean, if your life is driven, again, I'm just going to say it as it is, if it's driven by your own self-nature that you were born with and I was born with, and, and that's what's driving me in my relationships with other people, that means I'm driven by my selfish nature, and I'm not going to have a lot of peace. It's just not going to come. That peace that surpasses all understanding. What sets us free is the love of God, the agape, love. God. It, it affects my walk with the Lord. Listen to me. It affects my work for the Lord. The love of God is the measure of my walk. The love of God is the measure of my work. Watch this. The love of God is the measure of my worship. When I talk about worship, authentic worship, I'm not talking about the items we go through, you know, an order of service. I'm not talking about, I'm not even talking about how we express it, whether it's our hands up outwardly or whether it's inwardly in a spirit of reference. Not even talking about that. You know what the key to real authentic worship is the heart of the worshiper. Self driven. Phileo, phileo love. Agape, sacrificial, selfless, supernatural love. Let me say it this way. It's the power of our witness. Are you listening? The love of God, the measure of the love of God in our hearts as believers, the measure of the love of God being seen, being experienced, being expressed in the body of Christ, it's the power of our witness. Listen, those who haven't come to know Christ, their eyes are blinded, their heart is hardened, but I tell you what they know how to do. They know how to phileo one another. They know how to love each other conditionally because it's self-driven. They know how to love because and when and if. But when they're confronted with authentic love of God coming from our hearts, coming from our lives, and the way we respond to them, that is what removes the scales from their eyes and softens their heart for the gospel. Let me give you a passage here. It's a window. I'm going to call it, it's just a window of the different. I want you to look at it because he's going to describe in Luke chapter 6. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6. He's going to describe what, what loving our enemies, that is, sacrificially, selflessly, supernaturally loving our enemies looks like. Buckle up. Luke chapter 6. Beginning in verse 27. 
Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, in other words, if you're listening, you've got ears to hear, he says, love your enemies, sacrificially, selflessly, supernaturally, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That doesn't mean to pray for God to zap them, okay? That means praying grace, mercy, compassion on them. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. You're still with me, aren't you? <laughs> you beginning to get an idea here of the difference? What's true, radical love of God? He says, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love, sacrificially, selflessly, supernaturally your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. Watch this, don't miss it, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. That's just a window. If we're going to impact this world, the real power behind the gospel, a changed life, a changed culture, a changed country, a changed church, is this love of God being experienced, but being expressed unceasingly, exceedingly overflowing by the people of God. And so Paul talks about the extent of this love. He talks about the effectiveness of this love. And then he talks about the enlightenment of this love. And this is incredibly important. Let me read all of verse 9 together. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, the enlightenment. What does real knowledge mean? Well, it's truth, right? Real knowledge is the knowledge of God, not the knowledge of man. 
You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we see through the glass darkly. That means we never get a real clear picture in and of ourselves. Are you listening? Say amen. He said, look, in, your, in our humanness, we, we never get, you know, the very, we don't get a real clear picture. We, we're, we're getting some, but we, we're not getting it all. Truth matters, we're getting very little. And he says, and we know in part, and that, that means about that much, <laughs> if that. In other words, the truth of the matter is, let me tell you, what I see, what I know, can I use you, <laughs> is about maybe that much concerning her. But she's my sister in Christ. I know that because her spirit, the Holy Spirit in her bears witness with the Holy Spirit in me. So I know she's a sister in Christ. Don't misunderstand. But I don't know. Let me tell you where that knowledge comes from, though, so I know how to love her sacrificially selflessly and supernaturally as a brother in Christ to her is from God. But it's depended on whether or not I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to build and grow the love of God in me so that the more it grows, the more I see, the more I understand. And now I know more of her, so then I have discernment. Discernment is not what, but discernment is how. So I take the knowledge as I, can, I begin to see Rob the way God sees Rob. That's the knowledge, that's the real knowledge. I'm, I'm able to see Rob the way God sees Rob and understand Rob the way God understands Rob. It's all determined by the measure of the love of God in my life. If my life is self-nature driven, I see hardly nothing. I really know nothing. But as the love of God grows in my heart through the Holy Spirit, I can see Rob the way God sees him. It means I can love him the way God wants me to love him. And how, discernment, how to do that. And he defines or gives us understanding. And I'm gonna go through this part very briefly as I said at the beginning, we're not touching on a lot of things in these verses that, that we can touch on. I want to stick with what we're talking about. But I want you to notice in verse 10, he talks about the right spiritual insight. He's defining for us the importance of this discernment and then the right spiritual impact, and that's in verse 11. Let me just touch on this very, very quickly with you. Here's what he says in verse 10, so that. So he's tying this thought together, so that. You need real knowledge. You need to be able to see people the way God sees them because he's got the real knowledge about them. And you need to know how to love them the way God wants you to love them so that you may approve. That is, you will understand and you will, you will uh, follow up, uh, approve the things that are excellent, not just good. It's not hard to discern good from bad. Do I have a witness on that? But what about between better and best? That's what he's talking about. The better and best. Way to love. 
my brother or my sister or brothers and sisters in Christ or that fellow worker that doesn't know Christ or that family that I live beside that doesn't know the Lord and, and needs to know the Lord. Just use that as an example. I need to know not only the difference between good and bad, but I need to know, I need to be able to choose the best above the better so that as it goes on to say in verse 10, approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. What is, what's the opposite of sincere? How about hypocrisy? What's the number one criticism you hear? I'm not going down there to that church. There's a bunch of hypocrites down there. Right? Guess what? They're not wrong. Totally. When they see us love them with phileo love, so what? They know that. That when I am loving towards them because and I'm loving towards them when or I'll, I'll be loving towards them if. Well, what, what's the difference between you and me? Nothing. But when I love them with the love of God, sacrificially, selflessly, supernaturally, being led by the knowledge of God, and the discernment that the Holy Spirit gives us to know how to love them, now that is what gets their attention. It's what removes the scales from their eyes, what begins to soften their hard heart to the Lord. So having the right spiritual insight so that we do not cause, or listening say amen, the unbeliever or even a believer to stumble. Stumble. Because the way we are or are not loving them with the love of God. And it happens quite often, unfortunately. The right spiritual impact, verse 11 I close with this, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, that is doing what is right through the love of God towards your fellow man, fellow people, whether it's believers or unbelievers, and doing what is right before God, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Folks, I'm just going to say it. There is nothing that exalts the Lord our God. There is nothing that's going to exalt our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing going to give him more praise. Praise him, praise him. We're just singing that in that song. But there's nothing going to bring more praise to him and exalt him than for people to see, to experience, and be touched by the sacrificial, selfless, supernatural love of God. And the only way it's going to happen is it comes through us.
the people of God. So will you join me personally for yourself? I'm praying for myself. Got to start here, right? I hear my heart, my life, your heart, your life. Would you take this passage and particularly verse 9 and pray it unceasingly through 2022 for yourself for the body of Christ for the glory of our Lord and Savior. Father God We need you. We know we do not have the capacity even as you're redeemed. We don't have the capacity in our human nature to love as you want us to love. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is given to every true born again child of God, shed abroad in our heart. But Lord, we want to grow. We want to grow continuously, unceasingly in in being able to express your love, to love people sacrificially, selflessly, and supernaturally, the power of your Holy Spirit. And we're asking you to make that a priority in our hearts, a priority of this body of Christ, so that, Lord God, we can be the agent of light and love that will bring change to, Lord, the culture, bring change to the community, bring change to this country, maybe even obviously our own lives, our own homes, our own relationships with one another. So we ask for this, Father, in the name, this is above every name, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you. Amen and amen. God bless you. May his favor be with you. Thank you for coming.